Welcome to The Daily Drive, a podcast from Ford Driving Skills for Life that delves into teen driving safety tips and instruction. This podcast will also highlight community awareness campaign ideas and personal stories of tragedy that have led to advocacy. We'll have conversations with the people who work to keep teens safe on the road every day. People like traffic safety experts, parents, teens, and professional driving instructors. And with that, I'll turn it over to professional race car driver and the lead for Driving Skills for Life driving instructor, Mike Speck. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to The Daily Drive, presented by Ford Driving Skills for Life and the Ford Motor Company Fund. I am your host, Mike Spack. Our guest today is Jim Brainerd, mayor of Carmel, Indiana. He's the first seven-term mayor, and under his tenure, Carmel has become one of the fastest-growing cities in the United States. Uh, Mayor Brainerd has implemented several environmentally conscious and traffic safety based initiatives. The mayor has encouraged the construction of roundabouts throughout Carmel in place of traditional four way stops to great effect. And he's going to speak to us today about the genesis of his passion for roundabouts. That's Mayor Jim Brainerd of Carmel, Indiana, up next on The Daily Drive. Mayor Brainerd, welcome to The Daily Drive. How are you today? I'm great. It's good to see you, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's dig right into it. So Carmel, Indiana considers itself the capital uh, or the roundabout capital uh, of the United States. Uh, Explain that to me, please. Well, we certainly have more than any other city in the United States. I first saw, you know, I was trained as a history major and went to law school. So I became mayor. I didn't know anything about engineering or traffic design, traffic systems. But I I did remember that it seemed like those roundabouts in England worked really well. And so I asked uh, our engineers to take a look at them, did some research myself, and we decided to build uh, some, and the main reason we did it initially is for safety. We had read the statistics, uh, that roundabouts are safer than traditional intersection accidents. Uh, so much so that most national studies show a 75 to 80% reduction in injury accidents and close to a hundred percent reduction in fatalities. And, you know, the human error rate doesn't change humans make errors at about the same percentage. The difference is, have you ever sped up through a yellow light, Mike? Ever? Well, I, w- I would never do that. At least I wouldn't admit to doing that here on the daily drive, but I yeah. know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, some people probably do, or they see a green light and they speed up because it might turn yellow or red, or they see a red light and decide to gun it. And, you know, it's just, then it's a percentage game at that point. They're going to hit somebody at some point. We all we all speed up. It's just intuitive. The difference is at a roundabout, everyone has to slow down. And so we, to give you an example, we, we do have this statistic. The U.S. average fatality rate per 100,000 people per year is 14. Suburbs like Carmel and 
uh, suburbs around the country tend to be a little higher as the roads were built for faster speeds and are wider. Uh, our five-year trailing average is two per 100,000. And none of those fatalities in the last five years in Carmel have been at a roundabout. They've been other things that have happened. Uh, so because of the slower speeds uh, and the angles, you don't get T-bones when you go into the roundabout. The old traffic circles you do, and the traffic circles and rotaries are different, but you get that angle where you kind of bounce off the car that you've hit, but it's not a straight on T-bone. Uh, then some other good changes too. You have any idea what a traffic light cost from scratch? No, I have no idea, but I have, I suspect you do. I do. Uh, in hurricane prone areas, prone areas is about double, but here in the Midwest, it's about uh, 300 to 350,000 installed for a new light. And then you have to pay, even with LEDs, you still have a substantial electric bill every month because these are big, strong, powerful lights that draw lots of, uh, lots of energy at, uh, the roundabouts, uh, we don't have that expense of those lights. You don't have to replace them every 25 or 30 years. Um, so if we're taking a, a green field and you have a choice of a roundabout or a traffic light, the roundabout's always going to be less expensive. Now, if we're converting, taking out a traffic light in an existing area, moving utilities around, buying land that may be expensive land, the roundabouts can get more expensive. But here's another uh savings um it's also an environmental advantage um the savings is that a lot less gasoline or fuel is burned at a roundabout now this may not matter we're all driving electric cars in 15 20 years but today it still does uh, our engineers estimate it could be up to four to five million dollars a year save for each roundabout in terms of fuel because you're you're not starting from zero most of the time, which takes, you know, the laws of momentum takes more to go from zero to 15 than 15 to 30. And and then you have, um, you're just not sitting there idling either. I mean, how many times have you been frustrated sitting in a traffic light when no one else is there, but the light. Right. Absolutely. Marin, uh, the Ford motor company actually did a study on uh, what they call eco driving, uh, years ago. And your, statement that accelerating from a standstill costs more fuel than going from let's say from 15 miles an hour to 30 miles an hour that's absolutely true and of course as we use that fuel we increase our carbon footprint and and look yes electric vehicles are absolutely on their way but energy is energy and so yeah. um, a roundabout would still be effective i would think uh, even with electric cars can i take a step back to to sure. england that's where uh, it sounds like that was the genesis of your passion for it. What was it like for you when you first started driving through roundabouts there? Well, I was a graduate student. I didn't have a car there, but I had friends with cars. And of course, you go what we would consider the wrong side of the road. If you're English, it's the right side of the road or the left side of the road, nonetheless. But it's different than what we're used to but I just saw they were much more efficient. And, and here's another subtle savings of costs that I probably should talk about. Um, so I saw them in England and I became mayor years later and I thought, why haven't we tried these? I think they're more efficient. Did some research, found out that they were uh, more efficient, safer, less expensive. Uh, but the 
so many times um, you might be in a city, your mayor or city council member may get a call it's like this road is terrible. It's congested. You've got to do something about it. And so the typical answer to a problem like that from elected officials and civil engineers, people that design roads across the country has always been to add more lanes, more lane capacity. And I started to think about that. It's really not about lane capacity. It's about intersection capacity, because if we move more cars through the intersection, do it more efficiently, we don't need all those. We don't need that big parking lot for to stack cars in just waiting for the green cycle of the traffic light. And so what we've been able to do in, in many of our cases, we actually took one five lane road, reduced it to a, a two lane road, one lane in each direction, added a big bike lane, a beautiful median with trees. Um, but the trip times did not increase because a roundabout can move 50%. This is important. This is a statistic. 50% more cars roughly per hour than a traffic light can. So you don't need to build your lane capacity just to create a bigger parking lot to get cars through the green cycle of the light. The flow is more constant and regular. It moves many more cars per hour. Uh, so you don't have to pave over paradise as the song goes. <laughs> so it appears that, uh, at least from my understanding, that the citizens of Carmel are actually uh, really enjoying these roundabouts. But I have to think in the beginning, there was most likely some resistance to it. I mean, after all, people don't always like change, but it, it appears that you have been able to convince folks. How did you go about doing that? What type of campaigns did, did you have, awareness campaigns? Uh we had quite a bit. We we and that's the key is public awareness, public education. Uh, we didn't have any materials when I started doing this back in '97. Uh, Colorado had built some, so we actually asked them if we could use their video, put it on our public access channel, and uh, they had a great video. Of course, it was snowing and there were mountains. It didn't look a lot like Carmel, Indiana, but uh, people still enjoyed watching because they were interested in the topic because we were building so many. Uh, we also uh, borrowed some videos from England that told about, of course, it's on the other side of the road, but the principles about how to drive through a roundabout are the same. Uh, so we did a lot of that sort of public education and print media. You know, journalists have a phrase called they want evergreen stories. And these are stories they can run any time when they have to go on vacation. Uh, and so we, we called our local newspapers and radio and TV stations and said, we're trying to educate people about teach people about roundabouts. Can we do a bunch of evergreen things to run over the holidays and so on? And, and they worked with us to do that. Uh, we also had a city newsletter that went out to all households and businesses. And so we had a lot of roundabout education there. Our state then, because we were building so many, uh, put a few pages in the driver's manuals. They were teaching the young adults when they were learning how to drive. Um, I, I talked to a lot of, uh, uh, driver's ed teachers from other cities near us that would come to Carmel to teach the kids they were teaching how to drive through the roundabouts. Oh, now, now that, that, that out in the general area a lot more than they had a few years ago, but a lot of our neighbors are building them as well. Yeah, Mayor, that that's a powerful testament to whether or not those those roundabouts work, and the fact that people are coming from other cities to kind of uh, see what they're like. I, I think that's very interesting. So let's kind of take a scope out and 
what would you suggest doing? I mean, I know what you did for the city of Carmel to make this happen. What would you suggest for other local areas, for state governments, and for the federal government to do to help to promote the construction of more roundabouts? Because by all accounts, they appear to be much safer. So in federal highway law, there's been a provision for over a decade now that if you're in what the EPA classifies as a non-attainment area, and that refers to air quality levels, um, you can obtain additional federal funding for roundabouts. I'd like to see that expanded. Uh, I believe that New York State now has a uh, provision in their state law that requires roundabouts be looked at uh, before any decision as to intersection controls be built. So it's almost a default. You have to build, especially upstate, I think you have to, outside of a city, you have to build a roundabout unless there's a reason not to. And I'd like to see more states adopt those uh, provisions as well. And it makes sense, you know, if you have a stoplight and then a roundabout, then another stoplight, it it doesn't make sense because the the cars all come in away from the green light of the stoplight and they hit the roundabout at the same time. So it's important to look at it as a system too. And uh, the conversion is expensive, but it's worth doing. Um, when we, you know, the motorists in your community are saving four to five million dollars of fuel per roundabout per year, and we've got 136 roundabouts, that's a real savings for the drivers. Absolutely, and I'm sure the citizens of Carmel recognize that. Um, let me ask you this, and I want to get this right. Uh, from what I understand, one of your roundabouts was named International Roundabout of the Year by the UK Roundabout Appreciation Society. That's a cool accolade. Tell me about it, please. So here's my theory. I get an email one day from a gentleman in England who says, I've read about your roundabouts and I am a representative of the UK Roundabout Appreciation Society. And uh, we put out a calendar every year. Would you like to be on the calendar? And I sort of saw it coming. Okay, we're gonna win and then we're gonna buy a bunch of calendars. Um, and I'm convinced these are three guys in a pub getting beer money. I'm, I think that's what the UK Roundabout Appreciation Society is, but I don't know. I've never met them in person. Next time in England, I'm going to look them up. Uh, but they they do put out a calendar, beautiful calendar. And uh, we had one on the west side of Carmel that was beautifully landscaped with fountains and, and uh, very manicured hedges. And we took a drone picture of it and they made it, uh, put it on their cover, and we were also December. That's excellent. What yeah. a great story. What, what a terrific accolade. We 9,000 calendars to pass out since we were on the cover, <laughs> so they had their beer money or their lager money in England, I think. <laughs> I think they call them pints, I think. I'm yeah. not sure. So um, let's kind of move away from traffic safety for just a second. I think we've covered that quite a bit. I mean, this show is all about traffic safety, but you know, You've also done and had uh, some environmental impacts as well. I'd like to center on one, which is your no idling policy for uh, government employees there in in Carmel. Can you explain to me why you do that and and how the employees have accepted that mandate? Well, we, we do it when it's, you're allowed to do it under pr- protocols. 
Sometimes the police need to keep their car running because we have dash cams and other equipment, and we recognize that. But we got street department vehicles, and we've got utility department vehicles, and we have a lot of uh, um, management people that, for the police and fire that aren't making stops. And uh, so I just issued an executive order that said when you're allowed to, under your protocols, turn off the engine. It's almost an awareness thing for our city employees. But we noticed that our uh, gas expenditures, our fuel expenditures went down after we did that. Uh, and it's uh, the community sees us do that too. And I think it raises awareness among other people, residents of the community, that uh, we all need to work together to try to clean up the planet's air. Yeah, I suppose you could say saving fuel, saving the environment and safety are kind of three pillars where there is a shared responsibility. There are the laws that are passed, but people have to be willing to accept that and kind of work uh, for the good of the greater community. Mayor, I really enjoyed speaking with you. Uh, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day. Uh, stay warm out there, and uh, I hope we can have you back on the show another time. I'll look forward uh, to it. I've enjoyed our talk, Mike. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor. Take care. Okay, again, that was Mayor Jim Brainerd of Carmel, Indiana, an obvious champion for uh, traffic safety and for the environment in his city. Again, that city uh, has seen enormous growth under his tenure. I hope you all enjoyed this discussion about roundabouts. I know for a lot of people, roundabouts can be somewhat uh, difficult, maybe intimidating, but they are occurring in different parts of the United States now, and learning how to drive them is important. If you want to get more information, you can always go to our website, drivingskillsforlife.com, and then move on over to our academy. We actually have a video on the Academy that'll show you a little bit about roundabouts. This is Mike Speck for The Daily Drive signing off. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you back here the next time. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Daily Drive, presented by Ford Driving Skills for Life. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Facebook at Ford Driving Skills for Life and on Instagram and Twitter at Ford DSFL. You can find a video version of this podcast on our Facebook page or on YouTube. We hope you'll tune in again to this podcast for news you can use to keep teen drivers safe on the road.